Welcome to Toppy When, the only podcast you will ever need with a W is important, I'll be honest with you. I've lost my mojo a little over the past few weeks. I sit here in front of the microphone and I think I've got things to say and I end up just switching it all off and walking away. I've been catching up on Netflix shows, I've been playing Elden Ring, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. I came to the realisation that the world keeps spinning even when I don't put videos out there. The ever-growing self-knowledge that I will not be the next big thing in music, talk, discussion, review, reaction. We've discussed it before. It's like there's that zeitgeist, there's that moment that everybody has where they need to grab and not let things slip through their hands. And I'd probably let things slip through my hands. This might sound overly negative. I don't mean it that way. I just think that If we're honest with each other, we are gathered here today, you and I, because of a shared interest and not necessarily because I'm trying to be popular and inflicting myself upon the world. You know what you like, I know what I like, and as we walk this path together, side by side, occasionally our hands do just touch or perhaps even interlock slightly. It's not a sexual thing. It's a matter of interest and relevancy. I watched a YouTube video where members of the older generation gather to discuss how and why old music is better than new music and the music of the older people's youth, people of my age, the music of my youth is better than the music of today, of the younger generation. The main thrust is that old music now accounts for 70% of the US market. But before we go there, I've been watching YouTube videos of interviews with the likes of Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Dave Gilmore, Roger Waters. Long interviews, an hour apiece, where people are able to just talk about what it is that inspires them and how they created music. And when I was in my youth, As well as the music that was popular when I was in my youth, 80s electro hits and 90s Britpop, I was listening, perhaps because I was a musician, but I was listening to the music of the 60s and 70s as well. I was listening to the Beatles and the Doors and Led Zeppelin. We're talking about people gathering together in a room with separate talents Someone who's good at singing, someone who's good at playing guitar, someone who's good at playing bass or keyboards or drums, gathering together, each providing a piece of the jigsaw so that the whole thing is organic, vibrant, alive. And I think the reasons why I did enjoy Jim Morrison, The Doors, Zeppelin, The Stones, The Kinks, The Beatles, is that element of being in a band. So when old people hark back and talk about how old music was better than current music, quite often they're talking about that, even if they don't realise it, we're talking about that distinction between a band being in a room, multiple members contributing to create the whole against the way modern music is made, which is more centred around producers. Now, producers were always a thing. Let's not, let's not pretend they weren't. Phil Spector, George Martin. We can name the famous 
producers. But I suppose the older generation's argument against modern music is the rise of the producer over and above the artist. I don't think we're really talking about the likes of Rick Rubin here. I think we're talking about production houses, people or groups of people who are able to guarantee hits. They can generate hits. You feed in an artist and the production house spews out a hit. And the hits can be good. That's why they're hits. But there's always been the hit machine, Tim Pan Alley. There's arguments for and against every argument. So when you discuss music with somebody, it's like spaghetti. All the arguments writhing around. I was going to say in slime, but let's say in a beautiful bolognese sauce. But all the arguments, the pros, the cons, the fors, the against, are all interlaced in a great big bowl. And it's really hard to decipher, to decipher a truth. You've got a good-looking dog here and a kind of hobo dog here. Let's call them a lady and a tramp. Suck in on that spaghetti and just occasionally in an argument you have with somebody, your lips will touch. I have here in my hand a piece of paper. No, I have here in my hand. This isn't a sponsor section. This is just, you can't see it, but I have in my hand a, an English fry up made completely of chocolate. I've got a plate made of milk chocolate. I've got bacon, fried bread, a fried egg, mushrooms, baked beans, all made of chocolate. When I get in the doldrums, what I need is food made entirely of chocolate. I only mentioned that because if you follow me on Instagram, you'll have seen that I posted pictures of this chocolate breakfast. And uh, this is a multimedia meta station. The only podcast you will ever need where the W is important. The Mercurial number six, reactions, chat, photographs, an amazing Twitter opinion. Get it all here, like a crap mini mart or 7-Eleven. So this channel was discussing the fact that old music now accounts for 70% of the US market. And before we even get into a real discussion of this, my first thought was that as albums are released, and let's face it, there's hundreds, thousands of albums released every day across the world, the amount of old music grows. And we need to define what we mean by old. So I looked into it and they define old, I think, as over 18 months ago. I'm trying to get my head around this argument. If you are into berating new music and sticking up for the idea that music was better in the past with the Beatles and the Stones and Zeppelin and the Doors, but a statistic such as 70% of all music listened to in the USA is old, is something you're going to latch onto. You're going to catch it in your baseball catcher's Glove, mitt, whoosh, and you're going to say, yes, look, what's the point of you guys making new music? We're all listening to the old music. What's the point of you guys making new music? We're listening to the old. We're listening to the old because the old's better. It's better. And then when I tell you that old music is music that's more than 18 months old, and that if you think about the history of recorded sound, that means that nearly all music is old. Then let's turn the statistic on its head. 30% of the US is listening to new music. When you consider all the music that's ever been created right now, 30% of 
of the US music market is new music. People are listening to new music. But there is always this fundamental argument. And it is there. It is there. Amongst the youth, amongst the old, it is there. Old music versus new music. Spin it whichever way you want. New music versus old music. Your old music, shit. My new music's good. Old music versus new music. It tends to be analog versus digital. Physical versus streaming. And when I thought about that, I thought, can the format that the music's released in affect the way it's perceived? The debut album by The Doors from the 60s sounds just the same if you listen to it on record as it does streaming it. If, you, if we take out the argument of vinyl versus uh, ones and zeros. But boiled to its essence, the albums by The Beatles and The Stones and The Kinks and Zeppelin from the 60s and 70s. On vinyl, on cassette, on CD, sound just the same as streaming. So if a band today releases their music without a physical product, just in ones and zeros, it sounds the same as if they had released it on the physical product. But that's the complexities of the argument, because someone who's rallying, railing for old music will tell you that they like the fact that they can hold it in their hand. They can, they can breathe it. They can, they can smell it. And then I can hold a brand new album in my hands, released on physical, on vinyl, on a record. And I can also extol the virtues of it and I can say I can hold it and I can smell it and I can breathe it. So it can't just be the nature of the format. Because you can hold a Beatles album in one hand and a Kanye West album in the other hand. You can do it. You can physically touch them and feel them and stroke them. It's more than that. Old versus new, analog versus digital. Let's talk about the people in the room again. The advocates for the virtues of older music will tell you that new music over the last couple of decades has, has relied on uh, computer-generated sounds, whatever they mean by that. The late 60s, 70s, that was the start of synthesising electronic sounds. The 80s took it, embraced it, and ever since... The older generation will talk about computer-generated music, computer-generated sound. And the fact that if it's computer-generated, then it lacks soul. They'll go so far as to say it's got no soul. And I've been listening to these interviews with the likes of members of Genesis and Pink Floyd, and quite often this, this comes up. The idea of the, uh, the collective, the people in a room recording into microphones, real instruments, moving, moving air, moving real air, recording the sounds that they can hear versus what they perceive as computer-generated music. And the fact is that all music now is uh, computer-generated, and even the older artists are now embracing this. They're all using Logic or Pro Tools or Ableton Live. Everyone's recording onto computers, onto laptops. Everything is now ones and zeros. You've got a few people fighting against it, your Jack Whites, who will still try if they can to record directly onto an old piece of vinyl. So it sounds like it was recorded in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s. But on the whole, everything is ones and zeros. And therefore, 
I would argue that you can certainly capture soul with ones and zeros. Maybe it's not about the computers. It's about the people. So we're back to the rise of the producer over and above the artist. Production houses, generic, lacking personality, repeating hooks. I was watching documentaries uh, with uh, Dave Gilmore and Roger Waters talking about Sid Barrett. He was the kind of madcap genius behind early Pink Floyd who went off the rails. Drugs, mental health, I I think primarily mental health. But they were talking about that element of genius. There was something about this guy. A spark. A vibrancy. And to be fair to them, all the artists that were being interviewed also had that. Or still have it, but a spark. Vibrancy. Soul. And we're back to that idea of a group of people assembling, Avengers assemble, assembling, I suppose you could, maybe you could draw comparisons to the success of something like the Avengers films where you've got your Thors and your Hulks, Captain America, Iron Man, all getting together, all giving a piece of the puzzle and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. John George Paul Ringo, greater than the sum of the parts. People assembling in a room because one of them can sing, one of them can play the guitar, one of them can play the drums. It's not like one person needs to learn all the different instruments, the solo thing. It's the idea of a band. So are we talking about bands and soul and capturing the spirit and the vibe and the essence of people getting together and sweating together and creating together in a room versus a producer in the modern day with a laptop? Producing popular music, but it lacks that soul. Maybe it is band versus solo, but then you look at some of the the great solo artists. They had soul. But then when you mention your great solo artists, your David Bowies, John Lennon, Prince. When you analyse those albums, back in that era, the era that's being held aloft by the old people, Those solo projects were still bands, assembled collections of individuals. Maybe they were different for each album, or maybe they could pick and choose for each song. But there were still people getting together in a room. And I noticed only recently that Ozzy Osbourne on his latest album apparently asked Jimmy Page to contribute. And Jimmy Page said no, elaborating on his refusal to play on Ozzy Osbourne's album. Jimmy Page said, I will never be one of those people who record alone and send someone a file. I never went into music in the first place to do that. It was for playing together. And it's when I read that that I thought, that's kind of what we're getting at here. It's people getting together. It's like you're capturing a party in a bottle. Those people in the room, it doesn't have to be party music. It can be glorious, it can be upbeat, or it can be dour and downbeat. It could be the Smiths, or it could be Duran Duran. But the idea that on that same piece of plastic, that same round black slab of plastic, that everyone, ultimately, if you're talking about a physical product, has to have their music pressed into, it's the idea of capturing those people in the room 
and who they are, what they contributed, their dreams, their aspirations pressed into the plastic. And can you do that when you press into the plastic the, uh, the end result of a guy sitting alone in a room with a laptop using soft synths on a door, digital audio workstation? And that seems to be the argument, doesn't it? But there, there could be, like the repost, is that a word? Repost? I don't know. The, the counter to that would be, well, yeah, why not? Because who's the, are we, are we got gatekeepers now? We've we got gatekeepers to soul. Arbiters of soul. I listened to Oxygen by Jean-Michel Jarre and it moves me. This is a guy who used various uh, synths. Real pieces of plastic and metal in the 70s. Collected them. I think he, I think he actually recorded the original album in his kitchen or whatever. But he set a load of synthesizers up and he's played them. He's, he's made them. He's made a synth, created a drum beat, and he's playing uh, melodies, rhythms on top of it. No vocals, it's just Jean-Michel Jarre in a room playing synths. What someone else might call computer-generated music. It's, it's a man, it's a man and a machine, and it makes me feel something. Listen to Kraftwerk. It's all about the technology, but it makes you feel something. It's got soul. And then if you say that and think about it, you're... you're what you're alluding to maybe is the fact that once upon a time when people made computer-generated music, whatever that means, because it's not generated by a computer, but once upon a time when people made computer-generated music, they were using their hands and they were pressing buttons, pressing keys. There was machines, and I have a few around me now. I've got a cool little mini cork here. I've got various little computers around me now, uh, keyboards and things. And you can pick them up. And they're made of like plastic and wood. This little cork's got wooden parts on it. And you can smell it. It's like the argument about the, the record. You can pick up the keyboards that Jean-Michel Jarre used in 1970-whatever. You can pick the keyboards up. They're heavy. They're dusty. They're full of wires and circuits. You can pick them up. You can, you can stroke them. You can smell them. And a man touched them to produce music. It's still organic, Mercurial number 6. Don't confuse that with someone with a laptop today, modern music. But when you take it to its extreme and you remove everything and you have the man and the keyboard in front of him, a laptop screen, it's almost like you could say that's the most spiritual, the most meaningful of all. Someone sits there by himself and he has an idea and he creates it himself presses some buttons, makes some sounds. And the end result was just down to him or her. The most kind of bottled essence of the human spirit you can possibly achieve. And someone will say, oh, it's got no soul. No soul. The arbiters of soul. So you've got the romantic idea, the romantic notion of the troubadour. You've got the bloke in the 60s a kind of tweed jacket, curly hair. All he's got in his hand is an acoustic guitar. And he plays the strings of that guitar and he sings and he sings from the heart and he sings words that move people. And then people look at today and they say, will there ever be another Bob Dylan? How can you have another Bob Dylan when you've got music created on laptops? And when you watch a modern production room, it's not like the early 70s of John Lennon and George Harrison and Ringo Starr, various musicians just sitting 
in a stuffy room smoking all together, microphones, wires everywhere. The record light, the red record light goes on. And what's said, spoken, sung, played, the sounds you hear are recorded. You fast forward to today and you've got a living room with someone with a laptop who gets sent a file from Australia and just presses play and the beats come out of it. And then you've got a rapper who can just stand there with a microphone in the living room and just rap over the top of it. And everyone's having a whale of a time. Beers, party atmosphere, very little equipment, laptop, microphone. They put it out into the world, sells a billion. And then the older people will say, well, that's no good, is it? Where's the soul? And you know what? When you watch those making ofs, I was watching the Travis Scott one, where, which is kind of what I'm talking about here, but also the Kanye West documentary, where a similar thing where it's, pre- it's pretty much the, it's the simplicity. It sounds like it's an argument against rap, but it's not. It's just the simplicity of the idea. Different styles of music, I suppose. Having a beat and rapping over the top of it. You can't get any more simple than that. Play the beat into the headphones, rap over the top, you got your music. Doesn't mean it's any less good. Holy shit, I've listened to some classic rap albums over the last couple of years. Just listening to Ill Communication, not Ill Communication, Illmatic by Nas again the other day. Holy shit, that's a classic record. The MF Doom stuff, uh, the Kanye stuff, pretty much all of it, to be fair. Absolutely superb. And the idea of it, it's got no soul. These people mean things. They mean what they say. They, they're getting ideas across. I keep having it told to me again and again. Mercurial number six, rap music is the music that the lyrics are the most important with. So how can you say that a whole genre of music where the lyrics are so important and they're conveying so much meaning has no soul? But it's that battle again between people with specific skills getting together to create and someone rapping over a beat on a laptop. Will there ever be another Bob Dylan? Perhaps there already has been another Bob Dylan. What do we even mean by it? I mean, like someone like Adele is putting music out into the world, which is really raw and emotional. It's polished. It's raw because it's from the heart. It's polished. It's selling billions. What do you mean by will there be another Bob Dylan? What do you mean by it? Then the argument was brought up that songs are staying at number one for longer now, which, does that mean they're better? It's kind of sour grapes in a way. Hey Jude by the Beatles was in the top 100 in the 60s for 19 weeks, one nine weeks. Blinding Lights by the weekend was in the top 100 for 90 weeks, 9-0. So the argument is, not only is the music worse than it used to be, but the population is more stupid than they used to be for listening to Blinding Lights for 90 weeks, rather than Hey Jude for 19. But I think this is a misunderstanding, because you can't compare this. You can't look at the sales figures and number one, Uh, Number one, uh, the charts, the billboard charts in the 60s versus today. Back in the olden days, in my youth even, in the 80s and 90s, the the charts were almost like voting in an election. You used to have to leave your house 
to register your vote for your band, for your favourite band. So if Iron Maiden released a single, I had to leave my house, go to a record shop and buy just one. You're not going to buy more than... You'd buy the single, you'd register your vote. Now, it's based on streaming figures. So if you stream that Iron Maiden song again and again and again and again, that's what's happening here. In the 60s, people went out and bought Hey Jude, and it was in the charts for 19 weeks. Today, people aren't travelling to the shops to buy Blinding Lights by the weekend. They're just listening to it a lot. Yeah, it's a measure of what people are listening to. It's a measure of what people are listening to. So it still, it still means something. But it's just not comparable. And Blinding Lights is a great song. Yes, it's uh, it's an amalgam. It's an amalgamation of eighty songs. It's the you know it's the drum beat from Take On Me by Aha. It's a it's a keyboard from another eighty song. It's it's a bit of this, a bit of that. But then we're back to the argument that all music has pretty much already been written. Very hard to come up with something original. It happens every so often. You get a Smells Like Teen Spirit, or you get a Dummy by Porter's Head. Or a craft work, a Jean-Michel Jarre, a Strokes. But on the whole, people are out there just trying to be creative, to be fun. And yeah, they'll make songs that sound like other songs. Critics praise the era of their prime. So when you talk about those glorious, famed old Rolling Stones, the magazine I'm talking about now, Rolling Stones critics, and all the famous critics throughout history, and the music that they will big up. It will be the Beatles and the Stones. It's going to be Lou Reed. Listen to a current critic. Listen to an Anthony Fantano of the world, and he's going to hold different albums aloft as 10 out of 10s. He's probably going to still hold Revolver by the Beatles as a 10 out of 10. Or Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. But he'll also hold up Kids See Ghosts. If you want to judge an opinion, you need to be very aware of who gave that opinion. You can win any argument in that bowl of spaghetti if you just choose the right source for the quotes that you use. You've got to be selective. You've got to be picky. The older people in their defence, right... They'll, they'll, at the end of their argument about our oh, old music was better, they'll say, no, there is good music. There is good music. It's just not in the mainstream. You've got to dig around and find it. Well, that's not true either, is it? Not really. Because a lot of the mainstream music is great. And back in the day, a lot of the mainstream music was great. And back in the day, a lot of the mainstream music was bad. Just watch any episode of the Top of the Pops. And today, a lot of the mainstream music is bad. Some of it you've got to scratch around in the dirt to find, but that was the same in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, the noughties, the 10s, and now the 20s. There's great music out there. You might not like it. You might not want to like it. It's a shame, isn't it? I listen to a, a song by Adele and I think, oh, that's amazing. But it's like, oh, God, I know everyone's out there loving it. Ah, shame. Can't really like it now, but I do like it, but I can't like it, but I do like it. I mean, I'm terrible for that. Yellow by Coldplay is such an amazing song. The Scientist by Coldplay. But on the whole, I don't want to like Coldplay because everyone likes Coldplay. Be careful what you're actually saying. It's easier in a way to say that you like the famous bands of the past because no one's going to be there now saying, oh, that's even... If you say, oh, I really like the Rolling Stones. I really like Exile on Main Street. I like Revolver by the Beatles. 
I like the soft parade by the doors. It's so far in the past. If you say today, oh, I really like that new Adele album, which I haven't heard actually, but just just to say, I really like that new Adele album. Your fellow critics, your fellow uh, video channel viewers or fellow musicians are going to frown at you. Oh, you're supposed to be liking the music of the underground, man. You can't win. I read a story this week. Uh, Wet Leg. I I don't know who they are. Independent artists score chart hat trick. Three independent artists, Wet Leg, Father John Misty and Jack White, have taken the top positions in the UK albums chart for the first time in more than 11 years. (laughs) Wet Leg, the much-hyped Isle of Wight indie duo, two women, good-looking women, Wet Leg, the much-hyped Isle of Wight indie duo, went in at number one on Friday with with their eponymous debut. They managed to outsell the rest of the top five combined in the process. I mean, that is that is some going. I haven't even heard of them. I don't know what they sound like. But to outsell the rest of the top five, that's, that's good. Father John Misty's album, Chloe in the Next 21st Century, released by Bella Union, went in at number two this week, while Jack White's Fear of the Dawn, put out on his own third man imprint, entered number three. What I would say here is, it's interesting, isn't it? We're, we're sort of celebrating here. The, uh, the success of independent artists. But one of them is Jack White. Now, I know that he obviously is independent, but he you can't get much more famous than Jack White. He's part of the mainstream. Let's not kid ourselves here. But listen to this, it gets worse. Music Week's chart analyst, Alan Jones, noted it was only the third time this century that indie records and it qualifies this by saying albums by non-major labels or their subsidiaries. Uh, So it was only the third time this century that indie records, albums by non-major labels on their subsidiaries, had occupied all of the top three places in the chart. The first time, in 2011, saw two albums from Adele, 21 and 19, and one from The Strokes, Angles, shutting out the majors. We're now calling, and this may well be a fact, Right, so if it's a fact, it's a fact. But we're now calling Adele an indie and the Strokes an indie. See what I mean? It's a minefield. Adele is an independent artist who you usually talk about independent artists as the underground. That's the music you're scratching away the earth to uncover. Scratching away the earth to uncover those, those indie artists. Adele and the Strokes and Jack White. Father John Misty. There is good music, it's just not in the mainstream. Good music is everywhere and nowhere. Old music accounts for 70% of the US market. Old music accounts for 70% of the US market. And old music is music that was made more than 18 months ago. Most music is old music. Most music. People listen to most music. Lady in the Tramp lets you and I eat from a bowl of spaghetti and let our lips touch. Till next time. Over and